Hey folks, Nate here. You're listening to Critical Care, a show about games, community, and finding hope during a global pandemic. This is episode 9, featuring game designer and community activist Elaine Gomez. Elaine is currently working at Eline Media on the upcoming BBC partnership Beyond Blue, and also helps run the outreach group Latinx in Gaming. Enjoy. My pronouns are she, her. My name is Elaine Gomez. I am a game designer uh, professionally at a game studio called uh, Eline Media in Tempe, Arizona. And I'm also a game developer and game designer uh, independently working on my own stuff in my free time. Awesome. Um, I'm sorry, did you say where you were uh, based out of? Yeah, well, I, I live in Phoenix, Arizona, but the studio that I work for is in Tempe, which is, you know, like a town, uh, the town like right out of the Phoenix urban area. Cool, cool. Um, so yeah, uh, before before diving into any of your, your work stuff, uh, I just kind of wanted to check in, uh, see how how are you holding up? What's the scene look like from where you are? Um, I guess just kind of how is, what does your life look like right now? So it's been interesting working from home. Uh, when I was at, when I started at Eline, I actually started back in the East Coast because um, they were originally based out of New York City. So um, when they started transitioning, moving out of New, New York to Arizona, a couple people got left behind the East Coast and I just got hired in that cluster. So I had been working remotely before for a while. So it's kind of like the same thing. Like I'm used to this already. I'm used to be like being isolated and being on my own and I'm more of a homebody anyway. So it's really not affecting me as much as like some of my friends who are very big extroverts and need to go out all the time and things like that. So I'm coping pretty well and keeping myself busy with work. Um, the current game that I'm working for with Eline is due to release in a few weeks. So we have a lot of work to do. I'm actually working over the weekend doing a little bit of crunch um, and just trying to make sure that I'm doing my best work in the circumstance that we're in. Oh, dang. Well, I'm, I appreciate you taking the time since that is, yeah, that's very, very close to me be coming out Mm -hmm, yeah and it's weird it's it's weird to work on a game that's due to be released during this time um and animal crossing is so big right but it was like being developed for so many years and it's a big title big franchise people know about it people were expecting it but when you are an indie developer and that's not necessarily the case for the game that you're working on it's pretty it's it's interesting to think about because you think about people being home and having the time to actually play now, but at the same time when you're behind the scenes working on it, it's just it's just weird to be like, oh, should we be profiting out of this situation? Like, but we still need to you know make our bread and and do our job. So it's just a really weird thing that I've been thinking about throughout the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it is definitely very odd everything that's coming out now i know some games later in the year got pushed back already but it is, it is a weird thing because on the one hand like you said like animal crossing comes out and it's like exactly what people need right now and it's huge but i think on the other hand there are uh yeah there are some games that kind of can just slip by because everyone's so focused on just what's happening that they aren't paying as much attention so it is it is a bit of a bit of up and down yeah, so we will see. I, I hope that we do well um, just because uh, the game, the game's called Beyond Blue and it's about ocean exploration and ocean conservation. So it is also a, like a calming Zen experience. So 
hopefully it does well for us because it's along that vein of let's take you out of what's going on in the world and all the craziness and the anxiety and put you in a space where everything just is peaceful and quiet. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Um, that kind of dives right into my first question is just knowing uh, you kind of uh, started kind of touching on it, but um, what you're you're currently working on. Uh, so this is a game called Beyond Blue. Uh, can you kind of give the, the general pitch of it, I guess? Yeah, so Beyond Blue was a game that was pitched to us by BBC um, because of their documentary Blue Planet. Oh. So um, they do a, they 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 recognized our work that we've done previously, culturally based, um, impactful games. Uh, our biggest game that we are known for is Never Alone. So um, the B- BBC heard about it, they liked it, and they reached out to our executives and asked them if they would be willing to make a game project uh, along the lines of Blue Planet. So uh, that has been really cool. We have access to um, all the BBC footage from Blue Planet, and we have access to all kinds of experts from uh, Sylvia Earle, who's like a legend uh, oceanographer, ocean explorer, um, to different marine biologists, um, even uh, scientists who are focused on specific areas like deep sea ocean um, and things like that. So it's been really an awesome project to be a part of, to be able to take all of this real life content, like um, these creatures, like uh, humpback whales and, and sperm whales and turtles and fish and animating them, modeling them, bringing them to life in 3D space and creating a character that you can swim, uh, that can swim and swim along with these creatures is, has been really, really exciting and building a story around on being underwater and being in a sub and, and scanning and, and sampling uh, all these creatures and seeing what we can do to make sure that they are healthy and that the ocean is clean for them to thrive in. So it has been uh, such a, a, a game changer for me as a creative to be a part of this because now I'm so inspired Like I on my own. I want to do more impactful things aside from, from just doing stuff at work. Wow, that's that's incredible. Yeah, I didn't know. I saw the the game linked in your bio, uh, but I didn't know it was based on the the Blue Planet documentaries, uh, which are pretty incredible. What's what is what is that process like? Taking, I can't think of another game off the top of my head that takes a documentary and then turns it into into a game. It's not the usual sort of licensed uh, licensed games that you see. What's 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 that like? Turning something very real uh into into a game it's been really interesting like obviously we have uh video editors who take uh they they edit the clips that we think would be best to use um so in in never alone we had something interesting where we uh interviewed and we had kind of like a documentary style type of video like achievement unlocks so throughout the game you would grab this you you would acquire a video and you would get to hear about the Unipiaq peoples because um, Never Alone is based off the Unipiaq tribes in Alaska and their storytelling and just the way that their perspective on life and things like that so um, that same like kind of like documentary flow of getting videos in game uh, we are putting in um, in Beyond Blue 
So you get to unlock these videos where you can see snippets uh, of that from the documentary from, from Blue Planet, but also from interviews that we did with some of the uh, advisors on the, on the project, like marine biologists and um, uh, specialty type of scientists, uh, people that work specifically with like turtles and things like that. So um, it's been interesting to be able to weave that in into gameplay to make sure that our narrative is telling a little bit of that story, of course, in the context of the world that we build ourselves, but that also relates to what these videos talk about and refers back to information from Blue Planet itself. Wow, yeah, yeah, I remember playing uh, Never Alone and the the documentaries were, were definitely my favorite part. It was it was something that I hadn't seen other games doing, but it was so so awesome seeing uh, all of these stories uh, from people and then seeing how that influenced the game. It was almost like not quite like a commentary, but you could you could draw the parallels between what people were talking about in the documentary parts and in the game. So that's that's very exciting. I'm excited to see how that comes together in in uh, this new one. Yeah, I think it's an interesting way to also weave in um, educational content without being forceful because you can opt in as a player to watch the videos. You don't have to do it. Mm -hmm. So I really like that um, the way that we have designed it because it's almost like the education, the learning part of the game really comes out of your own curiosity and your own desire to learn more about that thing. Not necessarily like you're right now you're going to learn about whales and you're going to feed you all this content about whales. So it's really nice that we were able to to kind of pace and parse information out and really give control to the player to see what they want to engage themselves with and what they find interesting and what they want to read or watch. I, I definitely agree. It's a, it, a lot of educational games are very kind of pedagogical they, they force you to just kind of here's the thing and you're going to learn it and that's what this whole game is so it's cool to see this other way where it really invites people to sort of decide to go down that that route if they want to without sort of just forcing them to uh to learn and absorb everything which probably isn't as successful is this is this game being uh targeted at all towards like educational institutes i'm not sure how that works um, so we are just we're really targeting the game as a consumer product. So we are opening it to anybody. Um, so it, that's why it's going to be multi-platform. So it'll come out on on PC, on Steam. It'll come out on mobile. It would come out on on consoles. So we're just trying to make it accessible to as many people as possible. Cool. And this is coming out in a couple weeks. You said. Yes, in a couple of weeks. Awesome. I will. I will have to keep an eye out for that because that sounds very cool. So switching gears a little bit, I wanted to talk about uh, some of your other games. Uh, specifically, when I was looking through your portfolio, uh, I saw that you had made several sort of custom controllers, which was uh, really interesting. I hadn't seen that done before. Specifically, stuff like the uh, the stuffed rabbit you put for your your game, uh, the little ones. Um, I was really curious first, kind of what the the process was like for you designing those controllers and also what you think because uh, obviously games like never alone i'm assuming uh, uh blue uh blue ocean um beyond blue beyond, beyond blue. blue okay <laughs> i'm putting i'm putting i keep wanting to say uh blue planet i know that's not right 
uh, Beyond Blue. Right. Uh, Blue Planet is the documentary, yeah. and Beyond Blue is the game. So kind of think about it like since the documentary is called Blue Planet, you're going to go beyond Blue Planet. So it's okay. Beyond Blue. Yeah, now, now, it'll, <laughs> now it'll stick in my head. I like that. Was, was that the deliberate uh, idea behind the name, or is that? Yes. <laughs> awesome. I love that. Okay, uh, but yeah, those those games, um, as far as I can tell, they use uh, sort of traditional controllers. So I'm curious, both in your process for making these alternative controllers and also how you view them compared to something uh, more traditional in terms of, I guess, game design and also uh, accessibility, if, if that makes sense of the question. Yeah, so with custom controllers are interesting because they really give a lot of room to experiment and to really tell a story or engage the player in a very specific way and it's a very designed way. So the biggest drawback with custom controllers is obviously they're not commercially viable. Like you're not going to be able to put out a custom controller. Like for example, the stuffed rabbit in the game that I made, the little ones, like put it out mass market because it's just going to be so much more expensive than any other game out there. So like why ask anybody to load up on a controller just for one game that they won't be able to play with anything else. So that's the biggest drawback with custom controllers. So you usually see games with custom controllers at like conferences, like things like Indicate or GDC where people are really doing something really quirky um, and experimental and it's super fun to engage with but it's not something that you would be like yeah I, I'm down to pay a hundred a hundred and twenty even two hundred dollars just for this game um, that is the case sometimes you know with board games where I know a lot of kickstarters they have really board games that are beautifully made made out of wood laser cut and they're very um, intricate in their design so people are willing to pay more money for that experience um, but it's not the case with digital games but um, I love custom controllers. I find them interesting. I find them compelling to, to design just because it breaks the mold and it makes you just think outside the box. So with my stuffed rabbit, it, it was an idea that I wanted um, to implement inspired by games like Zelda or any type of game where you have a companion character with you. Hmm. So um, instead of wanting to have a companion in digital space, I decided to have it in physical space because the whole narrative was about a little girl being scared about the monsters, kind of like under her bed and in her house in the middle of the night. So thinking that her stuffed animal is like her trusty companion, having that in physical space, I felt like that would uh, meet one of my design goals, which was to make the player feel vulnerable. So by making the player have to hug this little rabbit, which had sensors and things that reacted in digital space, um, I felt that I could really um, push the boundary of the vulnerability between the player and, and the game. Wow, that's that's really interesting. And have you, is that, when you watch people play it, does that seem to, to come through with them? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Especially when people don't like, uh, you know, scary games and they... Um, when I have like a jump scare pop up and people freak out and then they hug the bear because it makes the, the, the monster go away. It, it was really interesting watching all the playtests. Um, and I had, I had multiple people tell me like, you should keep working on this game. This is an awesome idea. But at the end of the day, it was for my masters. I, 
I did my master's in game design at USC and it was for a class for, for, for my master's. So I ended up not pursuing it just because of everything else that comes with school. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but I think if I could go back in time, I think I would have made that project my big thesis project so that I could really pursue it on a bigger scale. Um, but maybe I'll go back to it one day. Right now I'm just working on, you know, work consumes you once you start like a full-time job. Um, I never realized how like draining working like a, a normal like eight to ten hour day is and when you want to dev as in like an independent uh, developer like it's almost impossible doing it during the week because your mind is so drained from just the regular work day so really I can only dev Saturdays and Sundays when my head and my my creativity is a little bit more free um, and, and that's not a lot of time so <laughs> So I hope that maybe I can circle around to some of my other projects that I have as well that I really enjoyed working on. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely something that um, I, I graduated last year from, from undergrad, and I definitely have have had that same experience of, of being shocked at, at how little, not even necessary physical time, but just like mental space is left at the end of the day to, to pursue personal projects. So it has been a similar thing of just like, got to cram it into the weekend because my mind's going to be just completely occupied during the rest of the the week yeah exactly but I'll make the best out of it you know even working little by little like every every Sunday I try to make that my dev day so that at least I can dedicate like two to four hours on a side project that I'm working on so at least I feel like I'm still being active even though I'm not deving as much as I want to throughout the week yeah, definitely. Do you have any uh, side projects that you're are in like a state that you'd want to want to talk about? Yeah, so I have been working on a project for I would say the past six to eight months um, that I called Cooking with Abuelita. So it's it's a three D. Uh, it, now it's a three D. It used to be a two D point and click, but I changed the design a little bit. So um, now it's a three D kind of first person cooking game where you're learning family recipes with your grandmother. So it was definitely inspired by my own grandmother. And um, it's kind of like an homage to her memory since she passed away two years ago. Um, but I wanted to make something that was personal to me and something that where I could bring her to life in a way. So I'm taking some family recipes and some recipes that my mom taught me or my nanny taught me um, and putting them in this game so that people can, you know, cook Puerto Rican food and cook Dominican food. And if it does well, if people like it, maybe I'll expand it to like more different types of cuisines. My ultimate goal is just to make a fun, quirky uh, cooking game that people can can use as a means to figure out the steps of some recipes. And even hopefully I'm also thinking about putting up a website and having the recipes themselves like real life so that you can follow the recipe step by step and make the food and try it out yeah that's really cool i've i've played a few cooking games but i can't think of any that actually give you the recipe to make your own uh which is something that i would love i would love a, a way to to a, a way to learn how to cook other things so that sounds really cool do you have any idea when that might come out i know you're working on it in your spare time so I have no idea. Like right now, uh, like I started actively working on it again 
uh, two weeks ago. So we have like all of the 3D assets made and we got somebody to concept the, the kitchen area and everything. So we're getting to a much better point than what, where I was six months ago for sure. But I'm thinking hopefully I'll have something tangible that I can put up online so that people can try it out in maybe the next six months or so. Um, but I think by next year, the game should be like its own small project that I can release. Awesome. I'll, I'll have to look out for that too, because that sounds very cool. Thank you. Uh, and on top of your, your game work, you also, um, you're also part of uh, Latinx in gaming, which uh, from, from what I understand about it is kind of a organization to promote Latinx people uh, within uh, the games industry. Uh, I was curious if you just talk a bit about your your work there and also like kind of how that's evolved over the years. I know we're in a really, really upsetting times in terms of uh, Latinx discrimination in the U.S. So I don't know if, if that has bled over into, into your work in the games industry, uh, if that's something you could talk about. Yeah, so Latinx in Gaming is a special interest group under the Independent Game Developers Association. So we are tied tied with them um, and we just offer resources and uh, a community for all Latinx identifying individuals in the United States, but also abroad. So um, we just started our big LATAM division, Latin being like Latin America, um, our Latin American division, which is we're starting to bring in like leadership from all over South Central and the Caribbean and trying to see how we can build communities digitally um, to see if we can help people even uh, who are in their own countries so we can bring resources that we have here in the United States because we definitely have come to find that we, we are very privileged here in the United States. Even finding developer kits for, like for example, the Nintendo Switch, it's really difficult for some of our Latin American developer to find that type of stuff and to get that stuff shipped to their country. So we're trying to figure out how we can uh, just help developers out in the best way that we can, whether it is with knowledge, whether it is with partnerships, whether it is with um, financial resources, if we can accommodate them. We're just trying all different avenues to see how we can uplift uh, Latinx developers all over the world. So my job there, I was, uh, I am one of the co-founders of, of the group. Um, the IGDA had a, they had a Latin American group prior to, to what we came up with, but it kind of just fizzled out and nobody was really running it. So we kind of brought it back to life about, I would say three, about three years ago at GDC 2017. That's when we started having conversations about, um, bringing this group back to life. And then we have seen just absolute exponential growth over the past two years. Um, people come to us all the time telling us that they love our community, that they feel like it's a big family, and that they have been wanting to be part of something like this for a long time, and they just had never found it or never heard of it. So we're trying our best to partner with like uh, big conferences or conventions like GDC, like PAX, and um, smaller, more local workshops and events so that we can really uh, put ourselves out there and make ourselves known because we live on Twitter right now. Uh, a lot of our content gets pushed there and, and on Facebook. 
but we need to do a better job of just being word of mouth kind of marketing so that people can see us physically, that it's not just like some entity on the internet, like we're actual real people that are um, doing all of this work. So the entire leadership team of Latinx and gaming is made up of all industry professionals. Like I'm a game designer. We have another person on the leadership team, Juan Baca, who is the first interactive narrative designer at Netflix, which is really cool. We have uh, marketing and kind of just PR in general, people who have worked at Twitch and Google, um, Unity, Discord, um, even independent uh, studios. Um, and we also have somebody from Microsoft and we have somebody who's working at Red Bull and their games division. So we kind of like all over the place. And the leadership team definitely is a reflection of the power of games and how it has morphed it into not just game companies, but also just tech companies or other companies in general who are investing a lot of resources and finances into games. So we're just trying to figure out even within our own work and within ourselves, how we can supply all these resources that we have and all these contacts into our community and have it trickle down um, kind of like a big tree and having the water flow from the leaves all the way down to the roots type of thing. That's what we really are trying to achieve. So it's a lot of work because again, this is a side thing. Like we're not getting paid for this. We're just doing it out of our, our hearts. We're just pouring out our hearts because we're passionate about building a community and a space for, for Latinx people. But um, it's, it's a difficult endeavor to take on when you have a full-time job and you have a personal life and you have so much going on and you want to still give back. So it's just a one of, another one of those things on the plate. Um, and like you said, yes, we have faced, um, we have faced some negative uh, feedback from people. We definitely have faced a hardship, special, especially financial hardship, where um, we reach out to big companies that we know have resources and we just, it's so hard to get them to budge to help us. And everything runs on, on money and it's really, really difficult to be able to do something big or really make an impact when you're broke. <laughs> but we're trying our best and, and figuring out what we can do on the internet um, to, be, to make a difference. So what would it look like to do like a charity stream on Twitch? What would it look like to do like kind of like office hours, QA sessions on our Discord server? or even do um, webinars where we can have developers or we can have lawyers or we can have people in general help our community with things from, hey, this is how you build a successful Kickstarter campaign for a game, all the way to, hey, this is how you um, start the visa process to be, able to, to be able to work in the United States or in Canada or in other European countries, et cetera. So we're really trying to figure out how we can be most useful. Wow, that's really amazing. Uh, I love that this is a thing that exists now. And yeah, I didn't even know that Red Bull had a, a games division, so that's really cool that there's people all over the place in different industries. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You said that this kind of came about well, or kind of started uh, really big at GDC. How, is, how has it changed this year now that most of the, most if not all of the conferences are, haven't been, have been canceled? Yeah, it's been, it's been something. Um, we really had, um, 
big things planned for the GD- this GDC, but um, since they got postponed, it's allegedly GDC is supposed to happen in August, and we're not. None of us are really planning to go just because we don't feel like the world's going to be ready yet mm-hmm. by August. Um, and also, it's going to be hot, and it's just not the best time to have a, have a conference, in my opinion. So I think one one or two of our leadership members live in San Francisco. So they, they will try to go regardless since they live there. But the rest of us are not going to. I don't think we're going to go. But that's why um, I mentioned like we're trying to figure out how we can stay active and, and be an influence on the Internet. Because since we, since we don't have access to GDC or PAX or any of these like big events, uh, we have to make the best out of it regardless. Um, we can't let that negatively impact the way that we are going to stay active like we can't just stop working so i um one of the things that i i told our our leadership team was that we really have to look forward to figuring out how we can still like uplift the people especially overseas our 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 community especially overseas how we can help them from being here um, because I know some countries were not just not as affected. Um, even here in Arizona, we're not as affected as, like, for example, New York or um, California. So we have a little bit more leeway with being able to do things. So we're we're still trying to to see what is the best option because this all this is relatively new. So this has only been a conversation that we had maybe in the last two weeks. So um, I think that what you will see from us in the future is um, some type of like, I don't know if it, it'll be a game jam uh, or if it'll be um, a series of webinars across the period of time. I'm not sure exactly how we're going to make it look like or how we're going to achieve it. But our goal is to engage everybody since we're a global community to be able to engage everybody online through our discord. I think that's going to be, our, our biggest pivot for this year. Um, PAX West is still supposed to run in September. We will de-engage what happens with that. Um, but regardless, if they don't run, we will still continue to do stuff through our Discord because I really think that that's the best way that we can reach out to our community since we have so many members on there and give them access to, to our resources just because it's so easy, like we're doing right now on Discord, to get on the voice channel and just talk to people or even put up a video and have people chat in a, in a, on a channel. It's just so much easier to do it that way. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. I hope I hope things will be in a better state in September so that those things can still go on. Uh, where can where can people get involved with uh, Latinx and gaming? So with Latinx and gaming, there are three places where we live. Obviously, our Discord server. The link is in our Twitter. Um, but we are a verified server, which is really awesome. Our Twitter account is Latinos in Gaming, and that's pretty much where we are retweeting and uplifting our community the most, just because we're most active there. And we also have a Facebook group, Latinx in Gaming, and we try to post um, the same stuff on our Twitter, trying to transfer it over to the Facebook audience there. So it's really cool that this is this, and I'm sure now especially people are probably thankful to have a place to like they can talk to people and connect 
Shifting gears a little bit, I was curious, uh, just personally, how I know you're you're working a ton, so maybe you haven't had time for for gaming. But I'm curious how your uh, sort of your relationship to games has changed, or has not changed uh, during uh, all of this pandemic. If it's affected like games you're playing, or sort of how you you view games. I don't think my view on games and game design has changed at all. Um... I feel like the pandemic and any any type of circumstance that affects people, um, it really is another factor that may influence um, new games that are being designed, but it's something that we have to work our way around it and kind of adapt ourselves to. And the reason why I say that is because I am in, in my career and even just my personal life, like I have been through a lot of stuff. And things where I have to keep quiet and just put a smile on my face and carry on. Because I cannot allow these external factors to weigh me down and negatively influence my personality or my character or the way that I do my work. So because I've been through all of that stuff, um, it kind of just shaped me into being a very, you know, strong, resilient person. So I see what's happening now as a circumstance that I just need to adapt to. And that I need to stay safe in, of course. I try not to leave my, my apartment. I try not to do anything that will put my, me in, in harm's way or my loved ones in har- the harm's way either. Um, but being able to stay focused and being me, just being strong and, and, and level-headed has really helped me navigate this space. Um, definitely, I have been inspired by what's going on to make a game related to Something like, what's it like uh, managing your time and yourself in a space where you are alone? Definitely, I would like to make a game like that. But of course, I'm making a game at work and another game, the cooking game. So it's just like I have all these game ideas and I don't have the time to make them all. Um, but it definitely is something that I have written down on my game design notebook and something that I would like to pursue at some point. As far as games being played... Like everybody else, I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing. Uh, definitely, uh, it's just the idea of going into a world where like everything's pretty and everything's nice and you don't have to worry about necessarily resource management and like quests and stuff because everything's paced at, at your pace. So I can decide to engage in a quest and I could decide not to. So that has been really nice. So I have been doing that most of the time. That's the game that I've been playing the most. And I also think it's because it's fairly new. So I'm I'm still on that like hype train for Animal Crossing. Um, But aside from that, the uh, game that came out, uh, Resident Evil 3, came out yesterday. So uh, my significant other has been playing it. And I would also like to play it just because I enjoy horror. I enjoy that. And I saw him playing it yesterday. And I see so many parallels and similarities to what's going on now. But it's just like, it's like literally if the entire world went to crap and everybody turned into a zombie. Like literally that's how it is like in real life in the game. So it, it, it's like a weird thing that we were talking about yesterday. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a, a interesting game to come out now. Maybe not as uplifting as Animal Crossing, but seems, yeah, to be, yeah, definitely. seems to be connecting with people in a different way. Yeah. But, but that's very inspiring. I'm, I'm glad you're able to, to really muscle through this. 
Speaking on Animal Crossing, um, just as a side note, because I, I need to ask this to everyone, because um, it's important to me for some reason. What did you name your town, and how did you come to that? So I named my town Boriquen, which is the original indigenous name of Puerto Rico. <laughs> Wonderful. So this has been uh, tons of fun. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to come chat. Um, I know you're very busy uh, with everything that's happening. Um, where can people find you online and or follow support you? So online across pretty much all platforms, my handle is Chulatastic. It's Chula like C-H-U-L-A and Tastic like fantastic. Um, that's pretty, I pretty much live on Twitter. That's where I get um, my ideas out, my opinions, and I engage with people the most on there. My Instagram is pretty much close to close friends and family. And so is my Facebook. Um, but on Twitter, you can find me there and you can feel free to DM me, whether it's like questions on game design or advice on how to get into the industry. I try to help people as much as I can on Twitter. Wonderful. Uh, and just closing out, one thing I'm asking every guest to do is just to share one small good thing that they've encountered recently. It can be uh, literally anything, uh, but just something that has, I guess, put a smile on your face or otherwise just been something delightful that you've encountered. Encountered? Um, I don't know if it's encountered, but maybe something that I have been doing, which has really uh, put a smile on my face is collecting plants. I've been buying a lot of plants <laughs> the past couple of weeks. And it's a hobby that I started maybe like a year ago. I just wanted to start having plants and taking care of them. So I've been buying a lot of plants and just greenifying my my apartment, which has been nice to see. I get to see some like live things. I get to take care of them. So it, that has really put a smile on my face. I Every time I unbox a new plant that I get in the mail, I definitely get all really happy because I start thinking about, you know, what are the, what is the water temperature that this plant needs and what is the proper humidity condition and where... Where does it need to be? Does it need low light? Does it need medium light or high, like high intense bright light? So it's almost like playing a game. <laughs> yeah, it sounds very <laughs> sounds very intense. I didn't even know you could order plants at the mail. That's incredible. Oh yeah, uh, it's yeah, a, it's can. the future here. Yeah. <laughs> what what kind of uh, plants are you getting? So I tend to gravitate towards smaller plants. So you can buy plants at different diameter pots. So the smaller they are, the less, obviously, plant you get. But I find that for me personally, it's more manageable to get a small plant because for one, they are a bit cheaper. And if it dies, I won't feel as bad. But it's manageable just because it's a small amount of soil, small plant. So I can really gauge what are the best conditions for that plant because I can. I feel like I can um, have more control of, of, of everything versus a really big plant that needs way more water and needs way more fertilizer and all this stuff so i think my favorite plant right now uh, is the one that i got yesterday and it's called the calathea mosaica network it's a very big long name but essentially it's a tropical plant and if you look at the leaves the foliage is all like little tiny squares all over in different shades of green and i've never seen anything like it before wow that sounds amazing yeah. i'm gonna have to look that up is there, a, yeah. is, there, is there a plant that you'd recommend to a beginner? I've, I've killed all of the plants that I've gotten, but I, now, <laughs> now that I can't go outside, I would love to, to bring a little greenery into my house. 
Definitely. So there are two really good plants that um, are really hard to kill just because they just thrive in really dry, dry soil or virtually no light. So that would be a snake plant. That would be my very first one. And the other one is called a ZZ plant. They're both like super resilient, can get dry, can thrive in low light or bright light. They're really, really good ones. Wonderful. And do you know, are these things that cats would like to eat? Because uh, that's also a consideration, I realized. <laughs> well, my cat does not like these in particular. She does nibble on kind of like these long leafy type of, of plants, like a spider plant. Like she ate all of it. She trimmed it. I threw it away because it just looked terrible. But these two, they may do well and they're not toxic for for, for, for cats. Wonderful. Yeah, because she's... She's recently discovered that she likes to eat grass, even though it doesn't agree with her. So I'm going to have to to make sure to be careful whatever I bring in the house. It's like having a toddler. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been tons of fun. I wish you well in your in your upcoming projects. I'm very excited to see uh, Beyond Blue. Got it right that time uh, when that comes out, <laughs> when that comes out in a couple weeks. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Alrighty, hope you have a wonderful day. Catch you later. Alright, you too. Bye-bye. Critical Care is produced by me, Nate Kunin, with music by Desired. You can find Desired on Bandcamp at desired.bandcamp.com. I'm on Twitter at Nate Kunin, and you can keep up with everything critical-related at critical.com. If you like the show, maybe share it with a loved one, and if you're able, consider supporting the work of my wonderful guests. Until next time, stay safe, stay home, and remember, this is not game over. We're still fighting, and we're going to get through this. 